0: Am Ochoa, I have a question for you today. And my question is, are you ready to talk to one of our listeners about all the questions she has for us?
1: I am and as a matter of fact, I'm surprised you asked me a question because I thought she was gonna ask all the questions, Jacob. (laughs) But yeah, I'm excited. Is this like cool or what? Yes. Well, we're That's gonna
0: awesome. we're gonna we're gonna bring her in in just a minute. But I wanted to tell everyone here that this is a special episode of Craft and Draft. Everyone, we have one of our listeners. She's become our friend. She she's always commenting, always supporting us. And, and she was like, you know, she actually pitched this idea to us, and we were like, you know what, this would be kind of cool. Have someone come on, answer some direct questions, and really just talk shop. I have a, a third person here. To really just have a great conversation. So hopefully listening to this and and dive into all of these questions, you guys will get some of your own thoughts answered, some of your own musings. I know we're all at various stages of back to school. So hopefully we can make this happen. But before we continue, I want to tell you two very important things. Number one, if you aren't a supporter on Patreon, you need to go do that. Those people that support us over there, they get bonus episodes, they get bonus videos, they get direct contact with us and pretty much everything else in between. And the key. The lights on of the podcast, and the people that support us this month are Alicia, Brandy, Leah, Mark, Amy, Rebecca, Courtney, Carol, Melissa, Destiny, Lori, Natalie, Susan, and Tracy, who is our latest Patreon supporter. So, thank you guys for doing that. Yes, yes, it's always amazing to see new people popping over, whether it's for the bonus videos of the bonus podcast or just to be a part of one of the best workshop communities out there, if I do say so myself. But the second thing I want to tell you that if you missed our professional development. It was over two hours. We talked about the first five days of workshop and we took question and answers. There's a video that you can still get access to. If you need access to that, go to our website, craftsanddraftworkshop.com. You can do that and you can still pay for access to that video and you get access the whole time. Once you pay it's just yours. Life is good. But we're gonna get to our conversation today. So stay tuned ladies and gentlemen righty, I, I have to introduce her. We have Courtney here with us. Courtney, like I said at the top, she has been a, a big supporter. She's she's so energetic. She loves what she does. Um, but I want to allow her to introduce herself uh, to everyone. Some of y'all who are Patreon uh, supporters might know who she is already because she posts and she's very involved in the community already. But Courtney, welcome to Craft and Drive. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself so we know who we're speaking with today?
2: Well, hi, everybody. Um, I kind of feel like I'm dreaming right now, actually. I'm used to hearing this, and all of a sudden I'm in it. And so it's <laughs> a little um, um, strange, but um, I, I want to thank you guys so much for this. Um, I um, advocated for myself, and I did reach out to you and and kind of propose this idea. And um, it's a great and, and amazing opportunity. So I want to start with that. Um, My name is Courtney Atencio. I am a fifth grade ELA teacher in Katy, Texas. Um, I this is going to be my fifth year in fifth grade. I taught kindergarten, um, transitional kindergarten, in a preschool for about seven years before, um, and decided to make the jump to public school. And um, what a difference! Um, And each year gets a little more, you know it's more and more different and um, we have new things and new mandates and um, less time. So um, I am still in fifth grade and I'm going to be at a new campus this year. I'm really excited. I actually go back tomorrow. So this is kind of like a a gift to um, get me ready and um, get to talk to you guys and and get some some wisdom, and maybe help someone else out there that may have the same questions I do, or face the same struggles, and and kind of want some ideas going into this year to just you know start with a
0: a bang. Yeah, so well, we're that's me. We're we're excited to have you, and you know this is maybe this is something that we can do regularly with you know other people or you come back on and we just we just make it a, a tradition to really do this because this is Pam and I's happy places right. is really helping people directly. That's why we do the show because it it allows us to reach uh, so many people and all that other jazz. But let's get to it because we have so many questions um, that I know you're interested in doing. So let, let's let's start with whatever you have first, Courtney and Pam and I will will de- depending on who's got the hottest answer we'll take the lead and we'll just have a great conversation. So Courtney, what do you have for us first? What can we help you with?
2: Okay. So I, I have a few uh, questions. I that look I like a hundred pages. Well, I probably <laughs> do believe that. Um, I have notebooks. I, when I listen to y'all every morning, every evening is what keeps me going. I'm writing down things. So I have a lot of notes. Perfect. Um, so what I've done is I've kind of, you know, tried to think about my year, um, like last year, especially. Last year was especially difficult. I don't know why. Um, you know, the kids did well when we got our scores back, you know, but it, it was just it was a really hard year. And um going to a new campus, it's I feel gonna be great in many ways, but more difficult in others because now, um, I'm going to have to teach social studies. And I know a lot of, um, fifth grade teachers do teach reading, writing, and social studies, but I never have. It's always been just ELA, you know, reading and writing. Um, and this new year, I'm also going to have about an hour and a half less time in my classroom. So I have a new, another subject, more, you know, content and less time. So I'm kind of freaking out. And I know that that's a common problem for all teachers. You know, it's the time. And what I really care about with my kids um, is making the time we have as powerful as possible. Um, And I'm not about, I I feel like I, I spend a lot of time having to check boxes and doing things is spending the little time I have doing things that really don't matter. Um, so I'm, I'm looking for ways to, you know, capitalize on this time and not be stressed out about it, but, you know, integrating the social studies and things like that. And I know you guys have experience with that. Um, the other thing, and this is, I think the biggest question, um, I have a hard time. I'm very passionate, as you can tell. Um, That rubs off on the kids. They get all pumped up and excited about things and and have these moments. And it's hard for me to keep a mini lesson, like just boom, and then you're off. Because we get so engaged and so involved, and they start asking questions. And it's, how do you, I'll start with that. How do you work to really keep your mini lessons many, but still powerful and um, you know, playing off of the kids' engagement instead of something scripted and then you go off.
1: Well, I'm probably not that great at it, to be real honest. But uh typically what what I do is, you know, I write it all down, I write exactly what I want done. And then as the students are asking those questions, I try to make sure I figure out a way to tie that question back in to uh you know what we're doing. Okay. But Uh, If I feel like it's going too long, Courtney, what I do is I will do a stop and write. So, or I stop and discuss. So my mini lessons sometimes might be a little bit longer, but it's more in a workshop model, they call it catch and release. So it's more like if it feels like it's going long because the kids get excited, then I'll, so I try to take that excitement and turn it into something that, that I need done. And the things that I need done in the classroom is I need them to read, write and share and speak, write and discuss. So, and then be thinking. So, So I might stop and say, you know, like if they get too excited, I'll say, okay, think about, you know, I know that y'all are excited about this topic, right? And you have all kinds of ideas. What I want you to do right now is let's stop. Let's think about your two best ideas that no matter what you want to talk about them. All right, now pick your number one and share it with your table. So I have these little strategies kind of in my mind. So so then what I might do is I'll, I'll come back. And so I've let them do something. I come back and then I'll say, okay, what do y'all think about all that? All right, now go write about it. And then I might pull them back in. So what did y'all write about? Okay, now I might move to the reading that I have planned. So it may not, it's not. So sometimes what I end up doing is I may have a few mini lessons, if you will, but it's more like a catch and release. And I try to keep it as focused as possible. Did that answer your question?
2: Yes, that's good. Um, so if you're in your mini lesson and you're teaching, let's say, about character or whatever, okay. um, you're looking at a text and then the students start um, having ideas and everybody. Is that then when you would say, OK, why don't we mm-hmm. take some time to everybody write about what you're thinking? Yep. So then how would I catch them back after that? Just like have
1: one. So you there? Well, you keep an eye out for your your time. Right. Cause you know you're limited in your time. And I was telling Jacob before we even started, because I'm having right now I'm gonna do a workshop uh with my people, uh, my district this weekend. I'm like, okay, Jacob, I got all this stuff I have to do. How can I get this done? So I just had this same conversation with him. And uh one of the things that um uh, I want to do on, like you said, that catch and release is I'll look at that time. Right. And, and what I told him was you can do a lot in two minutes. So just limit some of that time to like maybe two or three minutes. And so like, if the kids are going to write it down, all right. So a lot of times, especially your, your age group it sometimes it's easier. They don't have a thought until they write it down. Mm -hmm. You know, they may have all these. So then write down your best one. All right. Now do a partner share. Okay, now, or maybe to share at the table, and then what you might could do is have them come to come back, okay, everybody, come back, um table two uh give me one thing that y'all talked about. Table 3, give me one thing you talked about. All right, so yeah, both of those are really good. You know, I mean, they fit with what, you know, whatever. Let's say you said character, right? So yeah, yeah, y'all both gave us an example. One gave us an example of a of a main character, you gave us an example of a supporting character. You know, whatever. I'm just just coming off stuff at the top of my head. And then you say, "Okay, so our elements for character," and you pull, go back to your lesson. I mean, that could be something that you do and then you move into what you need to get done. Did that? Did that? Does that
0: I do. Yeah. I want to add on to that, Ochoa. Um, I think the. Uh I I like that idea, right? It's the whole when kids are super excited to speak and if we have a lot of energy, you know, we want to interact with them. One of the biggest saving graces for me was incorporating, you know, cooperative learning strategies. You know, either it was from Kagan or something I made up, but even just having them like if I sense that there's like everyone in the room really has something to say, then doing a quick turn and talk and as they're talking, I'm walking around and I'm giving that individual attention to them and I'm listening to what they're saying. I'm grabbing that feedback, but it gets that energy out a little bit to where I get to hear way more. They get that, uh, experience of sharing. So they, it it helps them a little bit. And then like Ochoa said, all right, I want to hear one from each group. Right. And then you just go boom, 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 boom. And then that allows for that that immediate feedback that you're wanting and the interaction. And this is only, I mean, it only takes a minute or two to really do that. And all of a sudden you've had so much more engagement. And I think that is, that, that is, I think that's a, that's a great strategy. I just wanted to kind of double down on that.
2: Yeah, that that's so helpful. We do, that's kind of what we do um, in our workshop. We, um, our district has adopted and, and always used since I've been there, the, um, the Lucy Coffins units of study. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a New York-based program, so some right. of that is, um, you know, I'm always having to tweak for our teaks and our, you know, it, it's different. But that is a strategy that's often, you know, in those um, units where you know students will turn and talk. Um, I guess after the turn and talk, so it's kind of having the share, you know, where they share and then getting back, like you were saying, too. Okay, now let's look at, you know, the the elements of story elements or whatever we're looking at character kind of to try to get them back it's like kind of going back to what we were talking about
1: Mm -hmm. and you know jacob he has some sayings and stuff that the that the students do to get them back so if you had like a code word or a sound or something you could get them back a little bit faster Mm -hmm. um so sometimes that's that's always helpful if you have something like that uh, with your classroom management part and Mm -hmm. um that makes it faster.
0: I would say too, if you're struggling with, um, with like, cause it sounds like what happens and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Courtney, but it sounds like what's happening is kids are so excited to talk, but what they're talking about isn't always directly relevant to what you're doing. Um, and that, is that what's happening? Is that it like almost derails it a little bit?
2: Sometimes or it will somehow they'll be inspired by what we're doing. Um, I do a lot of, you know I've done some of the things that you guys have uh, suggested. One one example is like the canvas of my life, which they loved. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of had a goal with that, but that video hit them so hard. They were so moved that it, it did it derailed the whole lesson because I felt they needed to talk and process and write and it just um I never know when that's going to happen, you know, with a certain maybe read aloud that I do, like a picture book, or um, we watch TED Talks sometimes. I'm always looking for things to inspire them or trigger words, which have been a huge hit this year for me, Um, and that can derail things.
0: I. Well, go ahead. ahead. Good.
1: No, you're good. You say what you're going to say then.
0: So what I was going to say was, uh, in terms of that. I think this is where that importance, specifically with craft and draft, it comes with knowing that they're, that they are going to have the expectation. If they always know that they're going to have time to write what they want to write about, whether when they're inspired, I think that helps that a little bit. Because if they, you know, if you do something like my, the canvas of my life or a Ted talk or a slam poem or a picture book or whatever, and they're super inspired, but it's not directly relevant, then just going through that process of training them. It's like, Hey, write this down. I want you to remember this. Put down that note. I love that idea. Let's talk about this during writing time. And then that way, when you go to them, that can be like, like I've had that happen to where a kid is super inspired and like, I really want to write this. I'm like, all right, well, we're going to get through this. We're going to read. And then you can write. And so I go, but I'm going to come to you first in conferences. And so, boom, that happens. I walk over to them. We just start that conversation up again. And that pause even allows them to process a little bit. Um, but keeping that going, if they know that they're going to be able to write about this when you get to writing time whenever that is uh then i think that that takes care of some of that and it just comes down to training you know your fifth graders on hey if i have a great idea i need to jot this down and it needs to be ready by the time i jump to that and then before you know, it it becomes this automatic process to where they're not needing it to happen at this exact moment. And that way, even something triggers at home, like, oh, that's a great idea. I need to write about that, uh, in class tomorrow or something. And so just training that process, I think, it, I think that'll help, um, a lot and just kind of in reemphasizing it with your structure.
2: I think that that's key right there that, um, especially cause we're going into the year, Um, That's something great to start off the year with, you know, having them realize there's always going to be time for that so that they can kind of be trained to not have to say it. When it
0: happens, but. And you could even do an artificial model of that. Like on one of your first lessons, be like, oh man, this really triggered a great idea. And you jot it down and be like, I want to write about this later. And that way you even plant that seed as, as early as day one, day two, and and just do it over and over again. Because they'll, whatever you're modeling in that sense, they'll start, uh, they'll start owning themselves. I have found that to be very true. That's, a, that's brilliant. O- Ochoa because- does that all the time
1: yeah okay yeah yeah we I always make sure that they have that I always make sure they read and write every day no matter what even if it's like that two minutes I'm talking about but as far as like writing yeah we have that writing time so they know that they have it and if the if you go long they love the writing time so much that they will tell you Ms. Cho, we're going to too far we got to we got to stop and do our writing time you're not you know so they'll they'll like start monitoring me if I don't watch it so um but anyway, I agree with Jacob on that. Uh, that's one way to do it too.
2: Well, that's a, a good segue into kind of a next question I have. Um, the way that at least in KDISD, I'm not sure, um other fifth grade classrooms around the, the world, but um we have you know a reading block and a writing block of time. Um the kids are with me for both, but they you know, we need to transition from one to the other. And, um, I've been using a lot of what you guys have talked about, you know, on the podcast this year and it worked great, like with craft and draft, um, studying the craft and and I kind of taught them, I taught them the, the language of craft and draft. And then, uh, on the right, it was what was taught and on the left is what's thought. So like the whole taught thought thing. And, um, they really picked up on that great. And, um, studying the craft and having a, you know, a model text, and then they would do a reflection. How, where I struggle is then segueing into the writing writing portion. So they end with, um, you know, independent reading, and then we'll do a, a like a share. So then going into writing, because I think this is where elementary may be different than junior high. Um, Do you guys teach a whole separate lesson for writing? So, for example, if we're, you know, studying a text, like, I don't know, a hatchet, and we're looking at, you know, character development and um, conflict or whatever, and then I want them to write, like, if we're doing literary essay, they're going to write about what they've been reading. Where does the whole, like, teaching of structure of the essay, like, looking at model text of essays, is that... In the writing portion, or do you
1: still do that all in reading?
0: You want to tackle that first, Ochoa? because we do sure. we do this differently for sure.
1: We okay. do do this. Both of us do it differently. I'm more of a well. well first of all, during writing time, some at the beginning, like 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 you're saying, you're doing Hatchet, right? So that's your unit character development. Doing Hatchet, but you also need to write. And you're probably going to create a literary analysis paper of some sort or a little literary book kind of report so uh, one of the things that i do is i will start with a lot of ideas so my very first few days is just idea finding so i'll do i'll teach uh, my lessons for reading and then when it comes to writing time then i may uh stop and then do some sort of topic finding ideas okay so that topic finding might be um I lost I lost a person's name. Her name is Paula. All of a sudden I lost her last name, but she wrote uh, nudges, and she did the quick list. Um, Paula Brock, that's her name. So she did quick list. So what she did uh, would be an example of just list all the names of people that you know. List uh, what they're like list a little uh you know these are three column chart so i might have them do that that's not necessarily a mini lesson that's just to get them into writing but that's just to give them some ideas pick one write about it okay i might do that the next day pick one of your people and write about it we were we did hatchet you know whatever we were going to do with hatchet pick something and write about it so they have like about two or three maybe four different writings that would kind of kind of be about maybe character development or characters i might even include maybe on one of those pick pick uh something from hatchet and write about it you know it's you know i might pick maybe pick the the setting and write about it so it kind of goes along with that but i let them kind of choose the angle but but so then now what I have is I've got like three four five different little short pieces that the kids have done and once they've done that then we start talking about character and you know analysis and things like that and so it's probably it could even be driven by the book it, you know it just depends on what you're doing I, I changed my little topic finding to make sure it matches maybe the genre that we have to do yeah for that particular thing. And then once I get there, I start, I will might still do my, uh, uh, craft lesson as far as like maybe reading or I might even say let's look and see what uh, Gary Paulson has done in Hatchet how did he develop this character what were some of the things that he did at the beginning to let us know all right now let's see if you can do that in your writing and so whatever I teach them there I now start applying it to their writing and then in the conference time is usually where I start helping them develop sometimes though I'll stop and I will give lessons on how to shape your your writing itself how to do a hook how do you do that Uh, and so I may stop and do that one day that might be my mini lesson how did Gary Paulson hook Mm -hmm. their readers and so I might even use some other paired passages with that to kind of help support what I'm doing and then now they choose something and then they might take that to test grade also though in that time they could also write about other things So that's where I'm a little bit different, but I think Jacob handles it a little bit differently than I do.
0: Yeah. And this is, this is, I'm going to tell you, this is going to be the one thing I'm going to miss so much as an AP. (laughs) It's this process. I'll, I'll, I'll I'll find ways to, uh, to make it happen, but regardless, um, no. So what I usually do is if I want them to write a specific genre, Um, I will usually keep it open to where, uh, they have the choice of whether uh, it's almost like two pieces are due that grading period is usually when I do that. Um, that's usually a little bit later in the year, but if that is what I'm trying to do to answer your direct question, um, I, use, I don't I do two mini lessons in the same day. I used to. So back uh, a few years ago, the kids that are in Rightfully Empowered, when I had them in sixth grade, they had me twice a day. So they came to me once for reading, and then they would go somewhere else, and then they would come back. So sometimes I used another mini lesson as a jump off, um, and it was usually tied to the same thing. So I, it was really I almost did a reading and writing lesson every day. But when I had them in one block in seventh grade, and then from then on i what i would do is if i'm really focusing on I would limit myself to really only focusing on what I wanted to for that standard. So if we're talking character, that's what we're going to hit on. Now we, we might talk about some other stuff. We'll talk about language. We'll talk about metaphors. If it comes up, we'll have those conversations. But my number one goal is to make sure I get them to whatever my learning objective is, is that that's where we end by the end of that mini lesson, regardless of the detours, as long as I get to that ending point, I'm good. And so let's say we've been doing that, but I want them to write an, an analysis of some kind. Then what I'll do is once I feel like they have the language of enough, right? If you if you're writing about, if you're an- analyzing fiction, then you need to have that language. So we need to cover all of that, and then once I feel comfortable with that, then I will show them um, either one I wrote or a model text of some kind in a different mini lesson. So let's say we talk fiction for one week. Maybe that Monday when we come back, it's like, okay, so how do we? An- how would someone write an analysis about this? So that Monday's mini lesson might be analyzing whatever type of writing I want them to do. And so we'll go, what do you notice? How do they start? Um, And we'll go through that literally the same mini lesson process, but with that. And then so that becomes their model text. And what they'll do is I'll usually have it small enough to where they can glue it in their journal. And now they always have that model. Um, What I've tried to do is I'll show them. Um, I try to shoot between two and three. I, I usually, I feel in my own brain is too limiting to show them one. It might be more valuable to show them just one if, uh, depending on where your kids are at in fifth grade, but I'll usually, so like I'll do three different examples of a way they can write their essay and then I'll say, okay, I want you to pick the one that makes the most sense to you, the one that Hmm. you feel like you can use the best. And so that becomes their model as they Continue from there. Does that make sense? Yes,
2: that's that's great. Now, when you're doing this, um, looking at a model text, maybe annotating to look to see, okay, what did they do? What do we notice? Is that in your writing block?
0: No, I would I would do it literally as uh, the mini lesson for that day. So my structure always stayed the same. Ochoa was a little bit more flexible in the way she does hers. But it was they come in, they write the standard mini lesson, read, write. And so if that mini lesson is analyzing the model text that I want them to write, um, then that that's what we would do before we read. And so it might not it might not be technically reading but i always treat the craft book even though it it lends itself to more of the reading side in my brain i think of it as the study of the craft and that is both as a reader and a writer so even though it's a writing mini lesson so to speak it's still the studying of the craft and so that's how right. that's how i look at it and that's why it stays in that that little section now you can do it uh, as a reading Uh, or as a writing lesson, if you wanted to, Um, that we've, I know we've talked with some people who really feel comfortable having a specific reading lesson and a specific writing lesson. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but it sounds like if you're wrestling for time, um, I would, I would just, yeah, I would just combine it and, or just pick today we're doing, the, a writing focused mini lesson or so today we're doing a reading one. Combine them if you're at an advanced level to where you can do that. Um But I would just be specific in, in what you're looking at and just use that time specifically.
1: That well, one I-
2: to talk to y'all about, sorry, Pam, um, oh, you're yeah, good. I, I'm planning to do that this year where I'm going to, um because of time, I'm going to have to have a focus okay so this day we're going to focus on reading you know a couple days and then do writing is that kind of what you guys did too where
1: you can you can I mean you can make it work the way you want it to or the way you need it to in your classroom so I think that's where you're okay I think Jacob is real more structured in the sense that he does the same exact pattern every day uh sometimes I'll do what you're talking about uh But let me just give it what I was thinking, an example, inferencing, for example. That seems like it's just reading, right? But let's say you're going to do that as a mini lesson. So you talk about inferencing, what is it? You practice it with a piece of reading, right? Maybe a poem or something. All right, now as a writer, we want to make sure we create moments where our readers can inference. So today when you're writing, I want you to be thinking about how you can create a moment that will cause your reader to inference, to have to make an inference. Mm -hmm. So they're looking for clues, maybe they're looking for hints, depending on whatever they're writing would change. So Mm -hmm. did that help a little bit? That's kind of how I would combine them.
2: Yeah, so like the whole integration. And I think where I get hung up, um, Pam, I feel like a
1: kindred spirit
2: with you so often when you know, I'm afraid I have to follow the rules. I'm gonna get in trouble. I don't want to get in trouble. So <laughs> I I have all this stuff I'm supposed to do. So I that
0: is Ochoa very those much. boxes
2: that <laughs> so I don't get in trouble, but I still have my own agenda. Like I have things I, I need to do that mm-hmm. are like, more helpful in my experience. So I'm trying to do that too. And mm-hmm. with the minutes of study, um there's a, a session for a mini lesson every day in both. Yeah so starting with um, book clubs, which is basically, you know, studying theme. Um, but then for writing it's narrative craft and there's a mini lesson for each day in both. And I'm like that, it kind of, um, I really struggle with it because I don't feel it's the best use of use of their time or mine. Um, mm-hmm. so I'm trying to I guess like you were saying, whatever it is we're looking at and reading, if it's, you know, character, if it's theme, if it's setting, how is setting affecting the character? Okay, and you're writing, how can you really show how this setting,
1: you know, it impacts the mood or the tone? Exactly.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's not gonna be one that's in that, you know, session for uh day three in the units. But I feel for me and what I've experienced with the kids, that's what they need. Right. Look at a model and then they go do that in their writing. It, it's um, related. It's they're actually transferring it, then it's not taught out of context and then they can't apply it. So it's like we wasted all this time.
1: Um, so, well, I, guess, it, I don't well, know. Well, it's like Jake and I, we do some things differently, but what you just said, teaching in context is what we both do no matter what.
0: I would say so here's the thing with and this is something that Ochoa and I we've dealt with in different contexts we the I think the biggest amount like the the questions we get the most deal with people who have more restrictive curriculums or things that they have to go through and uh, Pam and I, I we've talked about Lucy Calkins quite a bit on there you know she was one of the you know the the People at the ground floor of workshop and everything. And so we we respect her stuff a lot. But in in anything that is in a program like that is automatically going to be less responsive just because of the nature of what it is, right? It's not a it's not an insult to it. It's just the fact of what things are. And so as teachers um that are interested in being as responsive as possible, which sounds like that's where you're that that's exactly what you're pushing for. And that's what we talk about here, is it becomes a uh, almost an exercise in trying to figure out how you can talk about what you need to talk about within the context. Now, I don't know how restrictive your uh, school is or your administrators are on this process, but if I were you and I had to, let's say, follow uh, as Lucy Hawkins as as close as I could the units of study process, then whatever passage that I'm using, I would try to figure out how they marry across that. So if you're looking at theme, but then you're also looking at narrative structure, finding things that match those as much as possible and, and merging them, but in, but in your head, when you're doing your mini lesson, still focusing on those core goals of, you know, if, if I need them to understand Uh, by the end of this lesson, they need to understand a general structure for uh, a literary analysis essay. Um, Then as long as I got that, that's cool. But you can talk about theme in there. You can talk about character. You can talk about setting. It just really depends on what else you need. And then I would try to do it that way. And here's the thing. You're never going to, when you're following anything that is systematized, like uh, the units of study is, you're it's never going to make that much sense because they're thinking about it in a very specific way, and it's a product for everyone, right? So it'll never be as specific as you want it to. So your mileage varies on this. We have uh, in our last several years, Pam and I, we have curriculum, but we have like complete autonomy on how to manipulate that um, and, and do whatever we need. So that that comes down to just your, almost your per- – your professional decision, but I think as long as you stay within that process of, of really whatever kids are doing should be a part of that mini lesson, right? It should always have that, that marriage. I think you can't go wrong, even if you are having to tweak it a little bit to stay within, you know, the, the guidelines that your district is giving you.
2: Yeah, no, I love that. And you know, at my last campus, it was always, um, said that this is, you know, a resource, now, it's not law, it's not the Bible, school, or whatever. It's it's a resource you can use. So that's kind of what I'm adopting this year is like, okay, this is a resource. So if there are 32 sessions in the narrative unit, you know, they may go out of order. Okay, if 19 talks about theme or something, then I could do that first if that's what we're doing in reading. So it mm-hmm. makes more sense and it's in context in both reading and writing.
0: Yeah, I love it. I think that's a great idea. That
2: would Okay, that's kind of what I'm I'm shooting for. So along with that and with integration, how do we now bring in
1: social studies? There's your text.
2: That's what I was thinking. But then what about all the wonderful texts I use? Um, well, go ahead. I guess alternating, you know, obviously with, with nonfiction, that's going to be so awesome and and easy. Um but let's say in this first, you know, um, interpretation book clubs unit where we're looking at basically writing about reading uh, and then there are book clubs, which I do all year anyway. Um, how can I bring social studies into that? Bring Like, I guess, have historical fiction books maybe from the time period, like Revolution?
1: Yeah, one of the things that I've done in the past uh, is with specific genres like that like historical fiction science fiction i think i've mentioned it before but you might group the students by the era that they choose so, so
2: that's got to be what we're studying and like we we do um i think at first it's the colonization and then the revolution, which I'm a huge Hamilton fan, so I'm so excited about this.
1: Well, you got Jacob right up the alley right
2: there. That's the reason I read it and got obsessed with it, and <laughs> <laughs> it's all over my room now.
1: Um, but you know, you could take that model of Hamilton, mm-hmm. and you could uh, have the students identify some of the characters, Yes. and then they can actually write about those characters. They could, um, you know, create a I don't know, a slam with them, those types of things. They could imitate that type of thing with them. So, you know, and then they're still having to do the stuff for writing. They still have to figure out how to organize their thoughts. They're still learning about that person, you know, their, um, Mm -hmm. the theme, you know, you can focus it by the theme, um, things like that. Uh, but the way I would use like the, going back to your, your clubs, if they're all, so in your clubs, do they all like, like this group will read these books? I mean, how do they choose their books in your, in your little literary clubs?
2: Well, my last campus, um, from our literacy library, they would, you know, bring several books and then the kids would be, you know, according to reading level, which mine were all pretty much, they could read anything. So they would go and they got to pick, um, they always get to pick and they would kind of form their own clubs based on um, what books they wanted to read. You know, and that's going to be our first unit this year because, again, I'll do them all year long. So by the end, I mean, I have kids reading some pretty amazing books that they've chosen, brought in from home. They form their own book clubs and um, awesome. kind of like this natural thing. They love it. They love reading. They, It's it's awesome.
1: So, you could do like what you're talking about at the beginning, you know, where they get to choose, you know, you're modeling that, and then maybe just hang on to one more. And then they have to do historical fiction. Oh, yeah. Okay. And so, then in this one, you're going to get to choose all these books, but every one of these is historical. Mm-hmm. So, then based on that, they can be grouped either by title or by topic or by by era and now what you can do is have them focus on where is the history in the book Mm -hmm. where's the history because these authors have to research Mm -hmm. in order to make sure that their history their settings their characters they might be made up but they they're being placed in a real situation that actually occurred so where's the actual history where's the research and you could have your students kind of pick one element of that book and see what the author looked at now they can actually imitate that, and with with what one of the things that they're writing, they can do some research about their setting or something, and then they could uh, put that into to one of their pieces. And then after that, let them let them go on on the rest of the year.
2: So use that as a way to help prompt the writing using that book club, the historical fiction of research and mm-hmm. setting. So when they're writing their story, they're uh-huh.
1: going to research into setting and. For their piece right and the one of the reasons why you might want to do that is because historical writing right you you have your nonfiction piece like the like the textbooks that they have to read mm-hmm. okay that's one type of historical writing but another type of historical writing is when you insert a fictional situation into a real historical moment mm-hmm. and so if that's the case you want them to see you want to, want them to be able to think historically and so the way whenever time i've ever taught another subject and i've taught a lot of other subjects i want them to think like that particular type of person so when i taught science i would say okay scientist and then we would we would read about scientists we would write like a scientist we would uh, investigate like a scientist so what i'm thinking is history happens I mean you want them to be thinking like a historian uh, maybe like a historical author you know, or a nonfiction writer. And so you can you can use that both ways, but you're starting to get them to think about history and how wonderful it is. And then because one of the things about students and history is I don't think they understand that it's our identity. That's And so you could also tie that into what's the history of your family? What's the history of you? Who are you? Because this history is who we are. And so you can look at it that way. So you're, the whole idea is to get them to think critical like a historian. Does that make sense? And so anywhere you can incorporate that, do so. Alternate it, whatever you need to do.
0: And that is it for this episode, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. We wanted to do uh cut this into two parts. Because We went long on this one Because the conversation was amazing Courtney is absolutely a treasure And someone who uh, Deserves two episodes uh, To highlight her wonderful questions And all the thoughts that we had onto this So come back next week for part two Thank you for our patrons For supporting us Uh, If you like this, let us know Maybe we can do more, bring some more of you on here I don't know, we really enjoyed it So if this is something you enjoy Definitely come back next week, but also let us know So we'll know to do more of these. If you're a patron, or if you're a patron, sorry, uh, message Courtney. Tell her hi. Say she was amazing on the show because she actually was. And come back next week. Know that we are here for you guys.